That was one of the best announcements I've ever heard. Uh, thanks, Jess. <laughs> All right, uh, good morning. Uh, if you're new, welcome. Glad to have you. Uh, you're jumping in with us at a cool time. We're, we're, we're in the summer, obviously, and a lot of times in the summer we do some different things uh, as far as what we are learning and going through in the scripture. Um, in general, what we do here is just pick a book of the Bible and just march through it from, from the first uh, verse to the last. Uh, summertime, we usually kind of take some detours around the scriptures. Uh, right now, we are in the middle of doing a four-week survey of the book of Proverbs, and it's been really fun, and I'd like to invite you. We're only about halfway through the month, but if you want to jump in and read through the whole book with us this month, there's 31 chapters in Proverbs, and there's 31 days in August. Uh, and so jump in with us and, and just binge read it later today, and then you'll be caught up, and you can read uh, starting, you know, one chapter a day uh, starting tomorrow. But, but go ahead and grab your Bibles uh, if you brought them. Uh, we're in our second week of this survey uh, we're looking at this constant fork in the road of life, uh, and that at every fork in the road, we are in need of wisdom. And so we're trying to utilize this book of Proverbs to learn more about what it means to walk in wisdom. And what is wisdom for? What is wisdom and so go ahead and grab your Bibles. If you didn't bring a Bible, there's one right in front of you. Uh, today we'll be mostly on page 539 um, and in Proverbs 15. So go ahead and stand up. And we'll take a look at three verses firstly in Proverbs 15, starting in verse 31. And we'll read just those three verses to the end of the chapter. You can just follow along with me. The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself. But he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. The fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom. And humility comes before honor. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for this ancient scripture that was written to and for people long ago and yet is written to and for us today. And so I pray that you would help us by your Holy Spirit to receive the word that you have for us today. Help us to be open to you speaking to us. Help us to lay aside distractions, uh, to lay aside whatever might hinder us from sitting under your teaching this morning. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would speak tenderly and yet incisively right into our hearts today and let it ripple out to our week and to our lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, go ahead and have a seat. <laughs> all right, so Proverbs is all about wisdom. But what is wisdom? You know, Proverbs presents wisdom as 
know-how, as street cred, as the ability to know how to live. And there are so many words other than and including wisdom that this book uses, like discernment, knowledge, instruction, prudence, discretion, and the list just goes on and on and on. Wisdom, according to the book of Proverbs, is not just knowing how to navigate your way through life, but why it matters. And last week we learned that that Proverbs presents this wisdom as directly tied to our understanding of who God is. It says in chapter 1, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And in chapter 9, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so, we are told in order to walk this life in wisdom, we are not to fear people, we are to fear God. Fear God, Proverbs says, and you need fear no one else ever again. We are to start and end our search for wisdom with the fear of God. But what's interesting about the message of Proverbs and what we're going to hit this morning is that this fear of God, this putting God at the center of our lives, of this, this affectionate reverence for who God is, it doesn't lead us to an isolated life. It doesn't lead us to a place where it's just me and God. You know, I, I fear God and it's just me and him. Like, we're doing it. It's just me and God. I don't need anyone else. Which is interesting, isn't it? I mean, it, it calls us to fear God and no one else. And yet, this isolated life of me and God is not the end of that road. Instead, once we find our identity, our security, and our needs met in our relationship with God, what happens next? He invites us to properly enjoy relationships with others. In fact, as we'll discover, one of the primary ways that God speaks to us is through others. And so last week, we anchored in one long, nice, consecutive passage. But this week, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to enjoy a sampling, uh, an assortment of Proverbs. And if you've been reading along with us, you'll have noticed that starting in chapter 10, it just goes off. And there's countless categories, countless practical tips and tricks to life. And there's no clear arrangement or organization of those. It's just one after another. Spitfire, wisdom, and Proverbs. And so today we're going to enjoy an assortment of Proverbs that that helps us to understand God's desire for us to move away from isolation and toward community. The sermon title for today is Fear God and Don't Go It Alone. Why? Well, first we're going to learn that it's because isolation brings death. 
And second, true community brings life. And then third, wisdom in these cases involves active participation in the right community. And so first, isolation brings death. I'm sure that every single one of us here this morning has experienced loneliness. You know, in fact, in America right now, in our country right now, we are currently in what experts are calling an epidemic of loneliness. Just in May of this year, the Surgeon General of the United States put out an 82-page report on the public health crisis that is loneliness. And then he tags on an isolation. According to the report, in the last couple of decades, since the year 2000, for the average American, time spent alone has significantly gone up. And time spent in community has gone down. Statistically, half of adults at any given time are experiencing loneliness now. Statistically, half of us are experiencing deep loneliness today. This has led to real-life health impacts, which is why the Surgeon General is involved. Like increased disease, heart disease, diabetes, chronic illness, and also premature death, and of course, suicide, depression, anxiety, According to the report, lacking social connection is akin to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Isn't that wild? Isolation brings death. And Proverbs attests to this. We just read in verses 31-32, it says, The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise, Whoever ignores instruction despises himself. Proverbs is concerned with the practical living of life. You know, if you've got no one around you, who are you going to bounce your bad ideas off of? And if you don't think you have bad ideas, let's start enjoying our sampling of Proverbs. Listen to these ones. Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Proverbs 16, 25. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. You can almost hear Solomon saying, I'm going to say this again. And he does. He repeats it almost verbatim. We can see that being left to our own devices, according to Proverbs, according to Solomon, is a bad idea. Just as the Surgeon General fears, isolation has holistic consequences. Mental, emotional, spiritual, physical Listen how Solomon describes the person who isolates themselves in chapter 18, verse 1. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire 
He breaks out against all sound judgment. And so here we we see that isolating ourselves leads somewhere. It leads to both selfishness and defensiveness. Did you catch that? Whoever isolates himself, what? Seeks his own desire. If you're alone, you're tunnel-visioned. All you can see is your own needs, your own desires. And it leads to defensiveness. It says he breaks out against all sound judgment. When someone tries to speak into your life, no, 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 I don't want to hear it. That's what isolation leads to. But it's worse than that. Isolation has real-life consequences. Listen to these two Proverbs. Chapter 13, verse 18. Poverty and disgrace come to him who ignores instruction. But whoever heeds reproof is honored. In chapter 15, verse 10. There is severe discipline for him who forsakes the way. Whoever hates reproof will die. Proverbs has a realistic picture of where isolation leads. Isolation leads to death, brings death in so many ways. But is it it one of those situations where, you know, at least it's just me. You know, at least my choices are, are just affecting me. They're not hurting anyone else. Is that the case? Listen to Proverbs 10, 17. It says, Whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life, but he who rejects reproof leads others astray. And so we see that isolating yourself from community doesn't just have consequences for you. There's a ripple effect to those around you, to those you love. You know, contrary to our Western hyper-individualism, the way you conduct your life matters beyond you. Ultimately, what Proverbs is getting at is that isolation is a form of pride. It's saying, I I don't need others, and others don't need me. And most of you will have heard what Proverbs has to say about pride. Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Chapter 16, verse 18. And so pride, thinking I don't need others, thinking others don't need me, This leads us to isolating ourselves from others. And pride tends to be stubborn and defensive. Getting out of that place is tricky. It doesn't feel good. And you can look over it just to your left, chapter 15, verse 12. It says, a scoffer does not like to be reproved. He will not go to the wise. I don't want to. I don't want to. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good to receive criticism. It doesn't feel good to receive counsel. It doesn't feel good to receive advice. 
doesn't feel good to open up my life so that others can see what's inside. And so what is the answer? What is the antidote to pride? Is it humility? Yes and no. This is where the gospel comes in. The gospel of Jesus. The the son of God gospel who, who shed his divine privileges in order to become a lowly human being. And even further, as that lowly human being, to take on the most excruciating of painful deaths on our behalf. When you're isolated and you're proud, the reality is, yes, you do need humility. Yes, you do. But you can't get there by yourself. So how do you get to humility? Look at verse 33 of chapter 15. It says, The fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom, and humility comes before honor. And so we see that the road to humility goes through the door of the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the antidote to pride. I don't think I need anyone. But who... In fact, who made me? God made me. And what does he say that I need, even when I don't feel like it? When you're stuck in a place of pride, isolation, selfishness, defensiveness, you need the fear of the Lord. And in Christian terms, the fear of the Lord basically means this. You need repentance and faith. The fear of the Lord says, you need God. You're broken. And so we need repentance and faith. You need rescue. You need rescue from pride, which will then rescue you from isolation, which will give you humility. But it's all through Christ. How many of us have gotten into those brain-spinning thought rabbit holes of anxiety where we're, we're just spinning and no amount of Nick, stop, will stop it. You're trying to go to sleep. Your, your head is spinning. Your thoughts are going. It's, this train has left the station and there's no stopping it. In those moments, sometimes all I can say is, Jesus, I, I need rescue from this, this whole thing. I need rescue. I cannot save myself. And it's the same with isolation. In Christ, God wants to rescue you from isolation. He wants to deliver you from your bad ideas. Listen to Proverbs 28, 26. It says, Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool. But he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. So isolation brings death. God rescues us. But then what happens? What does he deliver us to? He gives us, he delivers us unto community. And this community brings life. Look at verses 31 and 32 again. It says, the ear that listens 
to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. And so as, as dangerous and destructive as isolation is, true community is the reverse. It brings life. It brings flourishing. It brings wisdom. Listen to this uh, slew of snapshots of, of Proverbs that compare this isolation of death with the community of life. Chapter 11, verse 14. Where there is guidance, a people falls. But in, a, in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. 1522. Without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. 12.1. This is one of my favorites as an adolescent. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. <laughs> I remember the first time I read that. I was like, this is in the Bible? Oh my gosh, you're stupid, you're stupid. No, I'm stupid. Chapter 13.1. A wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. 13.10, by insolence comes nothing but strife, but with those who take advice is wisdom. 15.5, a fool despises his father's instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is prudent. Last one, chapter 12, verse 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. And notice in all these Proverbs, how significant the advice of other people is. Notice how this, this singular fear of God leads us not to isolation, not to a me and God mentality, but to invest in and appreciate relationships of all kinds. Acknowledging that God can and desires to speak to us through other people. He doesn't want to just get us alone in a room and speak to us, although he does. He loves doing that every day. He wants to open ourselves up to others, but not in a way where we're, we're people-pleasing, not in a way where we're fearing others and what they think of us. No, no, no. We still fear God first and foremost, but then he brings along life-giving relationships. Are we listening for his voice in our relationships? You know, do we trust that God wants to speak to us through others? Are we open about ourselves to others so that they can speak specifically into our lives? You know, every Christian needs this. It doesn't matter how long you've known God. Every Christian needs this. With at least a couple trusted people. The door of your life should regularly be opened up to be able to share what's really going on. This is life. If you don't do that, it will lead to death. And that includes the areas of your life that you'd rather keep hidden from yourself. This concept saved my adult Christianity. You know, I grew up 
in the church. I, I had a dad as a pastor, and I was the youngest of four. Two out of three of my older siblings walked away from Jesus, but then they came back all while I was in my elementary years. And so I had this posture of just like, just watchful, like, okay, there's other options out there, but it doesn't lead anywhere good. So I guess I'll stick around. I guess I'll stick with God. But that led me to a, an older son mentality of pride, of, of, of perfectionism, of, of anxiety when I couldn't live up to my own standards. And in college, I went through the, some of the deepest, looking back on it, likely depression of my life, of indecision, of being paralyzed with what to do with myself, what to do with my life, who to marry, what to do with my hands, what career to pursue. All of those things have been laid out for me my whole life. You know, do this, do this, do this. I can do that. Check, check, check. A-plus student, valedictorian. But when I got to a place where I had to make those decisions for myself, that sent me into the pit of anxiety and despair. And it was in that place that I found a group of men who were pouring into one another. And one of the elements of this group was just share what's going on in your life. Pretty lighthearted. But until that point, for, for years, I had not had anyone that I could be truly honest with. On the surface, I looked good. I looked, I'm going to college, I'm majoring in nursing, I'm just doing the thing, everything looks good. But inside, I was wrecked with anxiety. So the moment I had a chance and took the opportunity to, to unscrew that pressurized bottle of stuff, I just wept. And God met me there. And all it was was sharing some anxieties with other men that love Jesus. And this verse became for that season and for a long period my life verse. In 1 John 1, 7, it says, If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we will have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus will cleanse us from all sin. And so this, this reality of the life-giving truth of walking out in the open, of just sharing what's going on with other Christians brought a twofold cleansing, a twofold blessing. One is fellowship. You know, when we're able to open up ourselves, let our hair down before one another in a safe environment, man, that's like a, a gulp of fresh air. But also, it's in that confession, it's in that, that offloading of our burdens, burdens that Jesus comes and cleanses us from those things. Cleanses us from our sin. Cleanses us from the sins that have been done against us. This is how God has made us. Not for isolation, but for community. Isolation brings death. True community brings life. And so... But I have to say, like, why do I say true community? Why is there this caveat, this asterisk? True community. This leads us to our last point. That wisdom is active participation in the right community. 
Most of us have been around this earth long enough to know that you don't just need any warm body to invest and share your life with. We know that people are people. We know that people hurt people. We know that if we open ourselves up, we risk getting hurt. And so you need the right community. Listen to these Proverbs. Chapter 13, verse 20, it says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. And then in chapter 14, 7, it says, Leave the presence of a fool, for there you do not meet words of knowledge. And so, it's not just any community. It's just not any people. Knowing the difference between the right people and the wrong people, that's a difficult task. But here's a simple paradigm. If walking with wise people and not fools is the goal, then we can ask the original question again. Where does wisdom come from? The fear of God. And so, if you're discerning whether someone is worth offloading your burdens to, investing your time with, sharing details of your life with, discern if they have the fear of God. And one practical way to know this, what comes out of their mouth? What kind of words? Are they words that tear down or are they words that build up? Discern if they have the fear of God. How do you know if they do? One way is to look at their words. Another way is just to ask that general question. Do they elevate God over everyone and everything, including you? If they truly do, then they are well on their way to being a good person to invest time with. If they say they do, but their actions say otherwise. Proverbs says, steer clear. And so these relationships, this community, this true community that we're shooting for, you know, that I pray are being enjoyed and cultivated within this church. These relationships are so valuable. If you find them, don't let them go. And the reality is that even in true community, you will get hurt. Why? Because we're human beings. You will hurt others. Others will hurt you. And that's where the gospel comes in again. Because in the person, in the work, in the, in the gospel of Jesus, we have the resources we need to own it when we hurt others. And also to forgive when others hurt us. And so these relationships are so key. And Proverbs has words to describe the riches and encouragement that's present in true community. Listen to these four Proverbs. Chapter 12, 25 says, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. 1523, 
To make an apt answer is a joy to a man, and a word in season, how good it is. 16.24, gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. And most of us have heard this last one, chapter 27, verse 17. Iron sharpens iron, and one person sharpens another. Did you catch how important words are in these relationships? You know, we went through Ephesians about a year ago, and Paul emphasizes this as well. When he speaks of the community of the church, he says, We should speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. Not letting go of either one. And the Holy Spirit emphasizes this as well. You know, if you scan the New Testament and look for the the ministry of the Holy Spirit, who is the promised helper, who Jesus promised just before he left this earth, his body ascended into heaven. He said, I will give you another helper. Another word is counselor. Another word is, is uh, well, the Greek word is paraclete, which is an advocate. Someone who comes alongside and, and assists and leads and guides and, and supports. And as you scan the New Testament and you look for the ministry and what the person of the Holy Spirit does, about half of the things and the gifts that he does are mentioned in the form of words. Gifts of words. Teaching words. Prophetic words. Which just means bringing the truth of God to bear on your life. Encouraging words. Exhortative words constructive words, words that build you up spiritually, that are founded on love. Words, hugely important. And it's part of what makes this community run, is encouragement, words that build up. And so this requires the right community, but it also requires your active participation. Listen to this proverb in chapter 11, verse 25. It says, Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and the one who waters will himself be watered. And so, what wisdom brings to this equation is active participation in the right community. Solomon's advice is not to wait until someone else speaks an encouraging word into your life. Instead, you do it first. You take that first step. You initiate. And in the stepping out, in the initiative you take, it becomes contagious. You know, this type of community doesn't just happen. It takes effort. It takes active participation. I can't form this community. It's a group effort with God's help. But it's so worth it. As we sang, you know, God can move mountains. Have you ever had one of those days where you are just, 
you're in that place of, you know, I need to do this, 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 and this. I'm, if, if I can get this to-do list done, life will be good. And then God all of a sudden does something without your help, something you've been praying about for months or years, and he just does it. And you're like, whoa. That's the God I want to depend on. As I'm making my to-do list, sure, I'll make it. But leaving room for him to work. Because he's the only one that can move mountains. So this thing that we're doing, this, this thing that God is doing, it's agricultural. And by that I mean that if you want to see fruit in September, you need to plant in March. You need to water in July. <laughs> Just hit a nerve. It's right there. <laughs> the fruit of what we are all about today isn't going to show up until later. And the fruit that we're harvesting today is because of, of efforts put in long ago. This work is agricultural. This, this church the, the thing that God is building, it's agricultural. There's going to be seasons of fruit. There's going to be seasons of pruning. There's going to be seasons of dryness. There's going to be seasons of planting and watering without seeing what we'd like to see. And yet we carry on. We're in this for the long haul. Why? Because God is too. He's in it for the long haul. God has rescued us from our isolation. He's rescued us from our stubborn pride for a reason. He has delivered us from our foolishness for a reason. To walk with him, yes. That's the first thing. but also to walk with one another, to enjoy one another, to give and receive love with one another. And so for us, for each of us, the two-step process of this, first, fear God 100%, each of us. But second, pursue one another. It's out of that fear of God that we are able to pursue one another with the right heart. Receive the love that God wants us to give one another, not love that we conjure up ourselves. That tends to be selfish. You know, perhaps you've been in a season of isolation. You know, maybe not physically. Maybe you have people all around you every day. But emotionally and, and spiritually, Perhaps you've been hurt by people and therefore have a hard time giving any of yourself to others, let alone those parts of you that you don't want people to know about and you'd like to forget about yourself. That's understandable. But that's not where God wants you to stay. You need others. And others need you. So as we enter our time of response, we're going to worship. Because like I said, 
each of us putting God at the center is what recalibrates us. Because guess what? God is the God of love and he's the God of truth. He's the one that empowers and enables us to speak words of truth and love to one another. He's the one that helps us to be on mission for this city, for this neighborhood in truth and love. But it's only when we put him first, when we worship him as the good news of our lives, as our, as our guiding and forever true north. And so we're going to worship him. But we're also, if you're a believer in Jesus today, we're going to take communion. And you can come get it at your own time, during the worship time. But communion, this represents what Jesus accomplished. And this accomplishment is the antidote to our pride. What he did rescues us from isolation. What he did gives us the confidence, the boldness to step out in vulnerability. Because he's our identity, not our past, not what we've done, not what others have done to us. He is. And so we can confidently engage and and embrace relational connection and vulnerability standing on him. And then if if you're burdened today, I want you to come receive prayer. I want you to experience the joy of someone who loves you and who loves God lay their hands on you and pray over you. So Nathan and Ashley will be up front here during the worship time to to be available for prayer. If you're carrying life heavily, if you've got a burden that you need to undo, untie, lay at the feet of Jesus. Let's pray. God, we just praise you. You are our creator. You designed us for community. You designed us for relationship. You, for eternity, have been in relationship. Father, Son, Spirit, forever. And so it's no wonder that you've created us for that very thing. And Lord, for those of of us today who who have times in our week who have areas of our lives that we're keeping others out from. I pray for wisdom. I pray for the right people, the right community that they might invest in. That safe person who fears God above all and therefore wants to listen with their whole being and carry the burden alongside us. Please equip and empower us to do that. I pray for those who do not yet know this this reality of fearing you and also walking with others in openness and lightheartedness and vulnerability and being known and loved, even the parts of us that are difficult to live with ourselves. For those who don't yet know that, I pray for them this morning that they would respond to you, respond to your invitation to enter into that relationship. If that's you this morning and you want to take a step in praying for Jesus to enter your life, come forward and I'll be sitting up front and we can pray together.
For the rest of us, let's just spend the rest of our time responding in thanksgiving for how God has made us and how he has provided the opportunity to reconcile both with him and with others. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin and we have fellowship with one another. God, I pray that you would build this community, continue to create in us an openness, an invitation, as well as a deep deep love for one another. And we give it all to you. We, we just submit it all into your hands. We open our hands to what you want to do in us and through us, even this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.